going on, everyone? Welcome to another episode of the Lone Wolf Podcast. I'm your host, Wolfson. In today's episode, it's going to be one of those super chill, relaxing, talking episodes. You know, just just whatever, you know, whatever. I become a teenager. Anyway, so I got I also had to bring some of my homies into this episode because, you know, what better do a super chill episode than to do it with my homies. So I brought my homies selves, which you guys have seen in plenty of the episodes and as well. Another mutual homie of ours, the one and only Kamo. Now, Kamo's actually have an interesting background because it's because of Kamo I managed to play one of the biggest music festivals in Puerto Rico on a sold out show on a on a nasty back to back primetime main stage era, and it was just super dumb. But it also Kamo has done so much more for me and. I wanted him to come over, you know, just to kick it with me and Seltz and just talk lots of lots of crap. You know, we're just going back and forth. But we also started talking about some of the stuff that he has done and some of the stuff that he's planning to do and all the what it is to find a, a specific trend for the EDM scene and what does move or what does market wise and what kind of shows he can build and stuff like there's a lot of. It's a lot of inside info that he actually brought into the table. And I wanted him to come over because I know he has a lot of knowledge, a lot of connections, and he could tell his side of the story of how he's done all this type of stuff. So it's actually a pretty good episode. So please, guys, stay tuned all the way. Be sure to like and subscribe for your weekly episodes, The Lone Wolf Podcast, for SoundCloud, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, and of course, the YouTube channel at LoneWolfPod.com. That's LoneWolfPod.com where you can check all my latest episodes. You can also follow me at Twitch and any other social medias at Wolfson Music. And you can always hit me up and comment and DM me for any other exclusive updates for what episodes am I doing? What topic am I talking about? Who am I bringing to the show? As well as any other topics that you want me to bring up, please always let me know at Wolfson Music. Now, without further ado, let's get started. This is the Lone Wolf Podcast. Boom! Yeah, that's fine. All right. All right. So you ready for this? Yeah, let's do the podcast, bro. Let's do it, man. Well, we already started, man. So thank you you guys for coming in for the show, man. Of course, man. Thank you for having us. I'm always, always, always happy to have my homies on my on my show, man, because it Uh, just gives me lots of joy, and we could just basically just talk for hours and hours about shit and what's happening in today's world, including the EDM scene. You know, true. true. Definitely uh, have a beard, though. Oh, dude! By the way, look, new headphones. Oh, (laughs) what what headphones are those? Those are the. Uh, I forgot. Seven seventies pros, uh, two fifty ohms. From which company? Which uh, it tell you right now. It's uh Bayer Dyman- Dynamic. Bayer I Dynamic. Never heard of that brand. Yeah, these are uh, I heard nothing but good reviews. Yeah, they're super comfortable, so you could just they're be mixing it and mastering songs for hours, which you're not supposed to do, but you could do it for hours. And oh, nice. How much do you spend on them? Those thing pros. Uh, there were. 179, I think, which is not bad compared to like other like professional headphones that are like $300, which I was like, nah, 
I don't feel like spending that much. Yeah, some so the Sennheisers that I really want is it's like around that range of three hundred dollars, and I'm like, yeah. I'm not in it to pay that much. <laughs> yeah, I actually wanted to get the Focus. Um, fuck, what was it? Focal Focal Audio um headphones, but they're around that p- price range. Uh, my co- I, my coworker oh, already has right, those. One. And they're good, right? Yeah, he told me that, yeah. especially if you're doing, if you're mixing with vocals, those are actually mm-hmm. a very good ideal headphones. Right? Yeah, yeah, I've heard the same thing, but uh, compared to this, it, it's like either the same or a little bit better. So, mm-hmm. and it's less. So, I was like, "Fucking, I'm gonna go with these." I mean, they're what are super you, comfortable? What headphones you got? Like uh, I used to have the Audio Technica's M50s. And they were just like you couldn't really hear the like the details in the mid range and the low end. You couldn't really understand really? it. So, yeah, it was just basically a lot of like loud, uh, high end basically. So I just got rid of it. I mean, I still have it here, but I don't use it. I'm surprised that you've used those for the longest time. I mean, Audio Technica, I have nothing against them, but those are those are like the cheap versions of any good products for any equipments you know mm-hmm. like those are those are the type of headphones that you will get it as your last resort or when you're coming up not as when you're already trained enough to know what what's good and what's bad you know like you yeah. won't, you wouldn't go with audio tender you'll go for something a little better yeah yeah the reason I, st- I i started focusing more and the reason why it took so many years is because uh you know i got the hs8s um yeah. But I, throughout the years, I've noticed that, you know, my room is not really well treated. So I like what it, what it sounds like in my room doesn't translate well in the outside world, like in cars, speakers and all that stuff. So until now, I started getting more in like uh, informed on the headphones and that way I can actually hear and pay attention to what I'm actually doing. And that's when I started investing in head, this headphone. I used to have the I still have the Sennheiser ones that you have. Oh, um, yeah. It's just that one. I think when, you know, when we were in the SAE. You know me, I always used to crank up stuff super loud volume. Yeah. So they just, I think they, they just popped or something. Like that. They don't sound good. Really? Damn, yeah, I you do pop them? I don't think, I, I don't know if I popped them where it's just all, they're used already. But um, the thing is, I the one thing I do like about this, dude, the stereo information, it's so easy to pick up on these. Uh, that's why I, I stick with the Sennheisers, man. It, but yeah. the problem that I'm facing right now with the Sennheisers that I got is that the the foam itself is wearing off so mm. you know you know that yeah you know on every yeah. any noise canceling headphones you know you, they're as good as they last with the phones because if you use it multiple times on a daily basis then the mm-hmm. foam will start to get just to your body and then it'll wear off and then to the point like now you got your whole your headphones like right there in your ears mm-hmm. and not only that but um also the it starts peeling and stuff like that. Yeah, it starts. It starts looking very ugly at, uh, at a certain time, man. Yeah, that's why these men I highly recommend. Look, they're like, they're not foam or anything. There's like, it's like a sponge or something. Right. Super comfortable. Super super. And it goes over your ear. You know how the other ones just like they're literally on your ear, but this one like like literally circles the whole thing. That's what I like about these coarser ones that I have. Like, I'm not, I don't know too much about headsets, but these coarsers I have. Yeah. Like. They're they're brother weird because they're they're like rectangular, you know, but mm. they're so comfortable. And yeah, I mean those are supposed to be comfortable because those yeah. are the these are like gaming ones, but like, but I mean the quality is super fire. I think I paid. Bro, yeah. these are wireless, by the way. Like I have them charging right now, but like these, bro, 
the base on them is super fire. Everything is super clean on them. Uh, they're comfortable as hell. Like my my yeah. ears don't get tired. And bro, they were only ninety bucks when I got them at Best really? Buy. Really? Super cheap, bro. Yeah, super cheap. And they really runs good. on battery for like a good minute. Like uh, by physical batteries? No, no, no. It's like charging with the cable. Oh, okay. right? It'll go like all day, all day or so with it, pretty much. Gotcha, gotcha. I mean, those cool. uh, those Corsa headphones. Those are that's the the same company of Elgato, right? Uh, I believe they're like affiliated. Um, I don't know too much about Corsair. I just know mainly more about um, uh, damn, I'm having a brain fart. The other two companies, it's Logitech, and then the other one is uh, Razer. Uh, Razer. Yeah, Razer. Yep. Yep. It's very funny because most of the time, headphones, gaming headphones, for some reason, are are more. They last long than studio headphones. Because game gaming headphones, they're they're designed for you to wear them um, at all times. I mean, you've been playing video games for how many hours? Like uh, fifty plus hours, minute, bro. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Miles. Yeah, like hours. They're designed to like. All right, this headphones need to be here and last over fifty plus hours every every week or something like that. Studio headphones mm -hmm. are not designed for that for some reason. Even yeah. though studio headphones are are better, more have a better quality of use, but the gaming ones have a better lasting use. Yeah. If you, if you know what I mean. That's true. I mean, yeah. honestly, they're abused, bro. Gaming headphones are abused like crazy, you know, like exactly. I mean, you know, producers and everything, you know, they're always in the studio and stuff, but there's always like breaks here and there. Bro, when it comes to gaming, people don't even think about like, you know, you're just gaming, you're just yeah. gaming, having the fucking uh, headsets going and everything. Yeah. And you don't even realize like how many hours you put like in your headsets, you know, while you're gaming. The time yeah. flies like that, especially when you're gaming. Dude, not, uh, another thing that we're talking about headphones. Um, dude, I, until now, I realized that there's certain like, um, you know, you know, you're, you, you know about electrician or right? you're like, you graduate, uh, you graduated for that. Yeah. Um, uh, these are 250 ohms, man. Yeah. So my, my interface with the Apollo has to be cranked up all the way in the top to even like put up enough volume to like give it to the normal volume to like normal headphones. You get what I'm saying? Wow, really? Yeah, Damn. because normal headphones, they could be like 35 ohms, 80 ohms or some shit, something like that. And apparently you need a headphone amplifier, but I feel like it's, if I just turn it up all the way up, it's like normal volume. I don't need it any louder than that, obviously, because I don't want to damage my ears. Oh, that means that you don't uh, want to pop the thing up, boy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that. Yeah. But that means that the interface is asking more for for your headphones. Yeah, yeah, yeah I know. Because uh, an interface is not really meant to power. I mean, that's what you have headphone amps for. But uh, you know, obviously, these are high end things, so that's why it's like barely supposed. Like it could do it, right? You know, Oof. that's what that's what the Apogee interface is made for. For some reason, that small little Apple G duet. Apple G? Let me see. Apple G duet. That's the one that Archie has. And that that's that small little interface cranks out the volume on anything, whether it's the monitors, whether it's your headphones, like <laughs> the decibels, it could go. I forgot how many decibels it was. It was like a huge a, a large amount of decibels that I can stretch out for, for you to listen. I'm like, damn. That's how powerful that fucking interface is. And it's a small ass little interface. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, I'm just searching it up really quick. Yeah, it, it, it um, it's it's it powers the same thing as mine. You just have to crank it up as at when it's two fifty ohms. Yeah, monitors. Yeah, that's that's too. That's much. That's good. Yeah, it I've is. seen I've seen those interface a lot, like every uh, like in a lot of places, and it's good. It looks good. I mean, it was that company is literally the competition to Apollo's. Yeah. So, so you imagine he told me specifically that the the Apogee is actually pretty good for for vocals and for studio vocals and whatnot. Yeah, I I can see that. The other, I feel like everything is good for vocals as long as you record record it at you know at good levels and then you're just not clipping. You have right. the right mic placement or a good mic, a decent mic, not the greatest, but a decent mic. And you should be good. As long as it's a decent mic. I mean, how many times have we said in this podcast, like, you know, as long as you got a good, decent mic, yeah. like you can record anything as long as, you know, you make sure it's not clipping. And uh, the exactly. rest is, the rest of it is just us, you know, cleaning it up. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. where we do the mitzvah. An- yeah. Another thing, though, where it falls in is um a lot on the artists who's singing because like some mm-hmm. artists, they go from like low volume to high volume and they need to know how to control that themselves. And pronunciate things clearly unless they're like doing um uh what's it called the uh, mumble rap or something like that you get me i don't know <laughs> oh, i don't know i don't i don't know if that's still a thing bro that's kind of dead from the soundcloud days I pretty mean, much i mean the the mumble rap is still on i mean you just don't hear it that often anymore because the people True. who started the mumble rap they're they're in it like they're like they're set Anybody who's trying to do mumble rapping right now is like they're not gonna go anywhere. Like it, that's just yeah, a- pretty much. I mean, it's just kind of like uh, EDM genres and uh, genres in general. You know, uh, you have a lot of people that try to do like progressive house. Progressive house is is fire, but like, can you really blow up on progressive house right now? You know, like yeah. I mean, besides like the whole pandemic and everything going on right now, it does make just trying to create you know, genres that are already out and get known because, you know, you're dealing with a big factor of like exposure, which is like trying to play shows all around and kind of showing your music. I mean, right now, everything is moving very digitally with streaming and stuff like that. Virtual tours, as they're called mm-hmm. right now, you know, mm-hmm. people instead of, you know, having to go to this city and then to that city, what they're doing is doing like a little virtual tour where you're going to do a, a set for like Insomniac events. You know, you have like a set for Dirty Bird and all that. And I mean, if you're an artist, you know that like going back to making like progressive house, you feel me? And like you have something good, you know, and you're able to like get along into those virtual tours. Yeah, you might have a chance of getting more exposed because, I mean, people are trying to listen to that new music, you know, still dealing with a pandemic and everything. But realistically, it's, it's hard, you know, trying to get into a genre that has already been out for a while, you know, it just it's just every genre in general, not only EDM or, or hip hop or rap. Like something that just passed its time already. Yeah, pretty much. I mean, it's it's just every year, you know, you see some type of new genre coming out. Like right now, we have the future, what is it, future rhythm, right? Future rhythm. That's like the new thing. Um Javalo yeah, introduced rhythm. me into that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And future rhythm. And now I'm into melodic dub stuff. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's always something new. So it's just like it's interesting, like, what else mm-hmm. can someone come up with and stuff, you know? Like, but you, sometimes people make ideas that it, if it works, it's a big idea. But then if you kind of, like, see it, it's kind of like, eh. 
So it's like uh, I've been watching kind of like those uh, tune reactors from uh, from from Space Yacht. Right. There's just one guy that like sends songs every time. His, his, I think his name is like Astro Glitch. And what he does is he basically does like glitchy music, you know, and it's it feels like like things are off key and everything. You know, it's very weird, but yeah. I'm sure that maybe there is definitely like a market to it. But it's like like the chance very of experimental. Genre, yeah, super experimental. But like this, the, the chance of like that type of genre, like to come up is very, very low, you know. How can mm-hmm. how you yeah. how can you tell like what genres you f- you believe is gonna come up or, or blow up again? Well, it's know? just more of trending, you know, hypeness, like what's going on. Like, I mean, like dubstep, you know, realistically, right now, house is killing everything. I, I believe so, bro. Mm-hmm. House remains undefeated, bro. Like, can you really say right now, is there a fire fire dubstep song that like is able to bring numbers and stuff like that? Like, Subsidia Record is is achieving a lot of good stuff right now releasing a lot of music and everything. But, you know, can you really say, damn, this new Dubstep song is fire and it's going to go cool. mainstream and stuff like that? Or like show-wise, you know, it's kind of hard to say for the future, yeah, we can get this guy here because he has this one song, whatever, you know, and like people want to go see him, you know? I just feel like right now, House is like just killing everything. If you're making House, you have big chance of getting known more and stuff like that. Um... You know, for example, like with Mikey, Mikey, you know, Mikey started off doing like hard style. He started doing like hard side and all that, the, the heavy type, type of music. And then he kind of just decided to change it up and started doing house. And he kind of picked like the right time to do it. You know, he's been having a lot of support from people. Uh, you know, he just got that track signed from Space John, the compilation that came out. Yeah, yeah. Um, and he's getting support, bro, by a lot of big people. Thomas Gold. He got supported by Tieso on his radio Damn. show. You know, like that's what's up. And it's just yeah. like that. Like, like big it, ups. It's big huge, ups. huge ups. And it's just like if artists kind of pick up like what's really going on and they can take advantage of it, you know, and obviously it's something that they enjoy doing, not doing just because of like the hype. Right now, artists can definitely do something different like that, you know. I mean, Rather- that- that's kind of like how it happened to me when I started up um, making music and starting DJing. Before mm. I was, I was into house. And I was into that big room era, you know. Yeah, that I was think everybody was. <laughs> yeah, everybody. That's was. that's the era I actually got in from. Like, like yeah, it big, wasn't the big like sophomore year, bro. It was like 2012, 2013 yeah. time where like I got into it, and it was like Hardwell and everything. You have all the exactly. big blaster jacks, you know, bass jackers, like you name it, like all that shit, like. That shit was fucking dope. Yeah, Chavalo. Everything you know. Chavalo. Oh, Chavalo. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Chavalo. Chavalo. Go back yeah. to that guy, bro. Yeah, yeah. I hope he's there. But it kind of happened like that when I saw the big room is dying out, and trap was popping Coming up in. even more. That's when I yeah. jump in the wave, and as as yeah. I was jumping up the wave with trap, um, dubset was like. Like it was going with trap. It was like, all right, I can play trap with dubstep. Oh, okay, these two go to together. So I, so I, so I went that. into it. I, I jump in, and then before you know, it, I'm the trap dubstep producer. You know, yeah. And then we got Celts right here with the Moonbaton. Yeah, it's the Moonbaton time. Oh, yeah, those yeah. songs. Oh, I listen to them. <laughs> they're pretty bad man yeah oh my god like i don't know yeah. just, i mean at the moment it was super fire you know because you always believe everything yeah. is fire 
But I mean, at the same time, that also comes with uh, progressive of like progression of your production and everything, you know, Yeah. which is a very good <laughs> sign. You know, when you go back and you listen to your uh, shit, and you're like, yo, this this is garbage, you know? Yeah. But dude. but also shows like how far you come along the way, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Just yeah. like for like with a uh, retro boy, you know, he used to be explicit and everything. And uh, he's been showing me a lot of like his old stuff that he never released. And like you could just listen to it and you're like, yo, this is kind of like 2010, 2011 production shit, you know, to like the stuff now, like everything is a lot cleaner and stuff like that, you know. So it's always good to always keep kind of like track of like your old stuff to always have like a benchmark or uh, what can I say? Like a, a set point in like life showing you like where you started to where you're at now, how far you like, you've come along in production. You know? I, yeah. As I was looking into my catalog of songs, I started out with two house songs and then i did two bass house remixes and then i i kind of like see the quality of each song all the way to where i am right now uh there was some songs like how the fuck did i make this song (laughs) (laughs) and there's one particular song that i hate to my core like i i hate this song that's called king boo that was released Oh, I remember that one. Oh, man. Yeah. I remember that one. <laughs> it was released on Drop Central. And yeah, I, I hate I hate that song. When I listen to it, I hate it. I hate it so much. And so far, it's like one of the hottest songs that I have yeah. in yeah. their label. I'm like, how the fuck? People listening to this? How the shit? Yeah. I mean, it also just Boo. goes along with, uh, <laughs> with labels itself, you know? Yeah. The labels are always coming out left and right. And that's um, so crazy, bro. It's been three years since that. Really? Three yeah. years? Damn. I thought it was a little bit more, but still, three years is three years. For my song? Yeah, yeah, your song. Damn, three years. Damn. And you, have, you have a lot. You have 27K. Nice, bro. 27K for a trash yeah. song that I keep saying to everybody, like, yo, that's like the worst song I've ever made. In fact, I think my house songs are better than that trash. Yeah. <laughs> Oh wait, my song is coming over, right? No. No, was it? No. I didn't hear anything. But what was the other thing? Yeah, and th- that song uh, and Killers, I didn't like Killers very much. And I made that song for Halloween. And I was like, eh. Like I think I feel like I didn't do much about it. But the other t- songs like Future Fiend, Black Order, some of the remakes I made for Mode Step. Shout out to our boys right there. Shout out. Shout out. They're going to be here soon, too. Oh, they're yeah, they're coming here. this Thursday. Hey, o. Wilson, real quick, bro. What, what, what do you a- think sounds better? There's uh, Which one will you choose? Fiora, Tarek, Warwick, or Sins? Which one do you like? Wait, what? What, what, what? did you just say oh, to never me? Never mind, never mind. I was, I was just having you choose one of those like random names, bro. <laughs> you know, you're not really supposed guy, to know Marco. what is it about, you know? Okay, okay say the names again. Oh, uh, well, I got to... I gotta, I'll give you, give me a little bit. Give me a little bit. You know. All right, here we go. We got, we have Tarek. You know, what do you think about when you think of Tarek? Tarek you know, sounds like Terravita, to be oh, honest. Oh, Terravita. Are there, there's Jarvin the fourth, you know. Jarvin yeah. sounds like Jarvis from Marvel, <laughs> from, from Division. All right. Dr. Mundo. You like Dr. Mundo? <laughs> <laughs> or Sin. So, right. t- Dr. Mundo sounds like Telemundo's doctor. <laughs> no, Telemundo's doctor, bro. All right, you know, I'm going to just go with Dr. Mundo then. That's All right. it. Yeah, you, That's you're it. the That's doctor, man. You're the doctor. Is that what? Your, your, your name, your, it's no, more, no longer Camo. It's now Dr. Mundo. 
Oh, Dr. Dr. Mundo. Now that I'm saying Dr. Mundo a couple of times, it kind of sounds like you're mooning at me. Oh, Dr. Mooning. Dr. Mooning. Oh, man. What's your progression? Who's mine or Kevin? Yours, Tilts. Okay, so in terms of what, though? Let's break it down. Songs, man. Like, I just told you my worst songs to my best songs. Um, well, I guess the cringiest song that I've ever released was um, the one in Clinic, La Clinica Records. The uh, shots fire, shots fire. Damn. No, 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 not the label. Not the label, my song. Uh, I think uh, it was called Local Party. Local Party. That's the one that I think of all the time, bro. Bro, that yeah, one bro. I listened to, I was like, oh my God, what the hell? <laughs> it sounds like. Yeah. Yeah, like three, music, bro. Yeah, like three different <laughs> drops in that shit, bro. You would have like a trap park come out of nowhere. It's like, gonna I'm like, I'm like, yo, back down. I'm like, yo, this is the hardest shit. Hardest yeah, I know. <laughs> I'm like, yo, this is fire, bro. Dude, you know what else I was thinking of? Remember that fucking, um, the Cruella remix that I was doing for a re- remix competition, bro? Fuck. Cruella uh, remix. What? Yeah. Uh, the one I remember you're doing was uh, something rain. Oh, rain. Was, yeah, 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 that one. That one was yeah. fire. No, oh, yeah, what's that one? That, I remember that was that one. And then that, one, uh, that was pretty cool. That's what I dude. I'm like, I mean, I don't want to put this bad. out there and, and someone check fact check me if, if I'm being you know biased or whatever or I'm wrong. But dude, I I feel like I was the first one to fuse the fast shit and then drop it into like a Moomba drop. Cause that's yeah. what I did. And then, yeah. like, I've never heard that anywhere. And then after I released that song, I started hearing it more and more because it was trap. And then the next eight bars, it went to, like, Moomba. Moomba, yeah. Like, crazy as fuck, remember? Mm-hmm. Yeah. That song... Correct yeah. me if I'm wrong, of course. If anybody... I, mean, I, feel, no, I feel like you're right. It's just kind of like another one that I told you that uh, that I liked. It was you did a remix of, uh, of uh, I think, oh, it, it, uh, fuck. By uh, Oliver Tree. Oh, that yeah. That track, that's oh. just also different and fire. Obviously, yeah. you never like released it or anything, but yeah. the idea, you know, right. and then I remember, I remember, um, damn, these these guys from Escada. Uh, uh, oh, <laughs> uh, oh, by the uh, way, guys, if you didn't know, I used to go by the artist Travalo. So that's where Travalo. Now, my man is Salts out here. Yo, yeah. but I feel, I feel, did you, did you actually finish that song and Nitty just hop on it and just, and just like yeah, that's all different. Okay, so look, um, so how that happened was, um, I that originally was a remix for a song of Yellow Claw that I was gonna release, and I sent it out to Nitty. Like it was the same drop, same um, like pattern of the melody and everything. Yeah. Uh, I sent it to Nitty, and he's like, Nah, screw that, man. This is too good, man. Let's uh, let's work on this collab. Let's collab on it because before an SAE, he had told me let's work on a song, and then it just never happened. So you like probably like a year later. I showed him that and then he just like, hey, let's collab on it. He worked on it. He like obviously mixed it down way better, like 10 times better than me. And he added his own sounds and it turned out to the song is get it. That's and that, 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 yeah, that yeah, one, that one and uh, Crack are my like most played Oh, songs. Yeah. yeah. You, yeah, I remember Crack, your version of Crack mm-hmm. was played through many artists and through many yeah. festivals. Yeah, I know. It was crazy. I just hate... I mean, I saw it a couple... I saw it like once or twice, right? Being played live came up mm-hmm. that we saw it. <clears throat> yeah, I mean, Carnage played it many times and then Carnage yeah. also played it 
Gamma um, played it. Live stream. Yeah, Gamma yeah. played it. Um, like but I think the, the biggest Vegas, bro. That was crazy. Oh yeah, with Yo, uh, I think Steve Aoki, Vegas? they were doing a back to back. Yeah, yeah, they're doing a back to back. They played that shit. Oh, I didn't okay. know that part. I didn't know Dimitri Vegas. Yeah, yeah, yeah I yeah. think it was a show here in Miami, if I'm not mistaken. I'm not sure. I know it was a back to back. Oh, with, uh, with if I'm not mistaken, shit. somebody tagged me too. I, I mean, I'm not. Sh- I'm not. I think I'm. I'll probably be making this up, but I'm not too sure. I think I saw somebody tag me somewhere. I think Blaster Jacks or something like that probably played, but I'm not too sure. Oh yeah, um, I think uh, it came out through like their track list or some shit like that. Yeah, something like that. Um, but yeah, but I man, know that, 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 that um, those two were my most played man. I remember oh, that um, I was in California and uh, I forgot how I came about that. Uh, oh yeah, because I I was going through the track list one one thousand and one, and then I seen that uh, Carnage had played uh, Crack. In Austria, Austria. Um, mm. I forgot what that festival was called. On, on there, yeah. And uh, the whole like sets there. The whole uh, video there is on on YouTube. Mm-hmm. And he plays the whole song out, like the whole song. He plays that shit, out. and you see the whole crowd. You see the festival, and everybody's just going crazy. Oh, yeah. that shit was that shit was amazing. That shit was that awesome. Was- Thousands of people going crazy to your song that you just made like in 15 Dude. minutes compared to a song that you take weeks to and nobody listens to. <laughs> <laughs> but I remember I had told Vic, I was like, yeah, yeah. I, I told Vic, like when I was at his crib, I was like, yo, this thing's fire. But I was like, what if like you do like a side trans drop? And I was talking about like the first one. And then before that, I was like, you know, why do you do like a little pre-drop before you drop it? You know, and then like right there and there, he came with like that first drop like that. And then that's all that's all that was done that day. And then yeah. I think the next day he like sends me the whole song and then that side trans part comes out and like that shit caught me on guard. I was like, yo, that shit's gas. That shit's yeah. super gas. You know what's so crazy about that song? Because before that one with the nitty gritty song, you get it. And then I had another one that um I made a remix for from Pegboards, but it wasn't official or nothing. I made a boot. Oh, yeah, I remember. I remember. Yeah, I, remember. It, 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 I started getting like numbers with it. You know, I was getting like 15K, 20K. And then I released on Hypertrap and it was getting numbers. Yeah. So I remember when I released Crack, man, I, I remember I was texting Camo for like two weeks straight. I was like, bro, Crack, Crack up, Flip is not getting numbers, bro. I'm barely like hitting a thousand, bro. And then like two weeks later, bro, I see a notification that Gammer reposted and liked it. And then, oh no, Gami, Gami. Remember Gami? Oh yeah, Gami, Gami. Yeah, he was the one that did um, Dude, he reposted and liked it. And then that, that just like sparked the fire, bro. It's like, dude, I saw my track being like from 800 plays to like 3,000 in one day. And I was like, yo, what the hell? What just happened? Yo, that's sick. And then it just like every day I was refreshing and refreshing. Like literally it was crazy because it's like I just pressed refresh and there was like a new notification, new notification, new notification. Yeah. I was like, oh my God. What's going on? What is going on? Yeah. That's how... That's how I felt when Granada came out. Granada. Dude, I was yeah, listening to Granada. that song the other day, bro. Because I was cleaning out my, my, my computer and I just was like, man, let me, before I delete every song, I just want to jam out to everything again. And your song popped out oh, with Big and Slim. Shout out yeah, to the boys. Shout out to those. Yeah. I'm, I'm actually going to get them over here at the podcast soon. Nice. 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 Yes. I'm super I excited. hear that song here and there. I always have it on Spotify, uh, on my Spotify like songs. Good. Continue supporting. It's it there. It's thirty thousand plays away to reach hundred k on SoundCloud. Ooh, nice, dude. Nice. Oh yeah. That's that's that one got played by Adventure Club so many times. Nice. And I forgot other dubstep uh, players, but I, at the time Ricky had it, and he just basically sent it over to a lot of people, and they they just yeah. played it. Future <laughs> Fiend. 
got played by yeah, Borgor, Dr. Ozzy, and Odd yeah, Prophet. Dr. Ozzy? Nice. Those are the ones that I know. And, and other songs, you know, everybody once in a while, they just play my songs right now. But right. Future Fiend is almost close to 40,000 plays on its own. Nice. Nice. So I'm super proud of that. That song is super fire as well. I have that song all the time too on my thing and I always hear it here and there. And I'm like, yo, it's just dumb fire. Yeah. I, yeah. I always wonder, am I a one-hit wonder? <laughs> one-hit wonder. That's why I went to depression. That's that's what's up, man. That's, that's fucked up, man. <laughs> that's no jokes reason. aside. Because I was like, damn, bro, how is oh, it possible that I... His neck. <laughs> I gotta crack my neck, bro. What do you want I feel you on that, Wilson. I feel you, man. Because I damn, on. like I, I got so many, I got, I've released so many songs and remixes, and I could tell you five songs and remixes that made it big, big, and then you got like twenty other songs that I have that barely done anything. Yeah, the most I, I, the remix that I did for them, um, mm -hmm. which is, is a free one, the mm -hmm. the summer. It wasn't even. I just took the song and. And killed the low end, and I just made a drop out of it, and that the one got yeah, mode step on SoundCloud. Yeah, yeah, yeah. those those I, got fire. I was like, damn, that's what's up. Yeah, I feel you, bro. On um, the the one hit, but at the same time, I feel like well, I mean, I'll speak for myself because I don't know how it is for you, mm. but I, I I was just being too hard on my son. I was like, bro, this sounds like trash. But then I would show to other people like, no, it's good. But I was just holding myself back, and I would never release. You know, Kmo was right there to say. Yeah, I, was, I mean, I'll, I'll, I to this day, all I do is just do like a minute clip, and that's it. Because he always sends me like fucking ideas and shit, and I'm like, yo, like this is fire, like you know. And then Vic is never mm -hmm. satisfied with it, so yeah. it's like, well, what, Ralph knows too, because Ralph has told yeah. me this so many times. We're gonna, oh, dude, every time I hear <laughs> new music from you, or every time you send me new music, I'm like, dude, when are you gonna send me this? I'm gonna, I'm gonna play this on my, on my shit, on my set. I want to play this on my set, bro. Let's go, yeah. let's play it. Yeah. But you so, have, you have the talent, man. That's why I'm still thanks, shocked. Too, man. I got a mediocre talent. I, I don't know about <laughs> that, but I appreciate your support, man. That means a lot. <laughs> of course, man. Um, but you have, but I mean, like your talent, your level of talent is that of a of of a nitty gritty level genius. Like your music's supposed thanks, to thanks. be out already, and I'm still okay. shocked that there's a lot of people that still haven't found you. You know. I'm yeah. not I mean, that's my fault for not putting myself out there. I've told Vic so many times that uh, that I literally can compare like his cleanness of songs to like fucking Boombox Cartel. Like, no. Yeah. Cap. So <laughs> many times I'd be telling him that. But I don't know. I mean, I've, I know like how it is for yourself where you're just like, you don't feel like you're like that, they, like there in that level. Mm -hmm. But like realistically, like, you know, you are. Yeah. You know, I know. I, I just hate that because every time I'll, I'll make songs, like you said, I'll, I'll send it out to people and they'll be like, man, this sounds like professional. And it's just like yeah. to, to a creator's ear when you're making your own stuff, it doesn't sound like professional. It doesn't sound yeah. finished and it will never sound yeah. finished. Just, that's the hard part. That's, you gotta know that's every producer's uh, yeah. nightmare, bro. Like you'll yeah. never satisfy that's, with the end product. Yeah, That's why I, I give a lot of props and like I'm proud of Mikey because dude, um, I, I Mikey reminds me a lot when I started off. Like for example, like I I used to release like crappy Moonbutton songs, and right. I, I thought they were the best. I was like, bro, Diplo's gonna play this on his uh, what is it, Matt Decent radio, yeah, uh, all that stuff. And like I didn't give a fuck. You get me? But as like I progressed through years and like more steps into it, like 
I just started being more harder on myself and I got self-conscious and I'm just glad Mikey hasn't, bro. And I hope he, you know, he keeps hustling and keeps releasing a bunch of stuff. Yeah, that's one thing about Mikey, man. Like he, uh, he just doesn't like care. Like regardless, when he first started, that like he didn't care his music sounded bad or not. You know, he like would just send it out and bro, he would like, e- bro, he just gets so many emails from like the internet and stuff like that. Send it out to people and everything. And then here and there, he would get freaking uh, uh, support. And I think um, the first song I believe he got support from was when he did uh, El Diablo bootleg. Oh, yeah, yeah. Carnage. Oh, yeah. Carnage. Yeah, and, yeah. Then, and then 4B like played it. And he was super hype, you know. And I remember at that time, you know, because I've known Mikey for years because we played baseball back then. And when I found out about Mikey, like DJing was when he was in college up in, uh, I think, North or South Dakota. You know, like you think about it, it's like who the hell is in North or South Dakota? I was thinking about you it. Know? I was like, where the hell is Dakota right now? Hold on, I, I'm, I'm I'm doing math in my head. It's like Dakota. Yeah. Hey, but and, quick shout out to Mikey too. Before I, I, because now that you made uh, yeah. me think about the Carnage thing, it just reminded me that he's the one that brought me to the back of um, what was that club that that Carnage was playing at? Oh, uh, Story. Yeah, he brought oh, me because yeah. he knew of this spot in Story of behind yeah. it where all the artists leave. And yeah. and Mikey took me there, and that's how that's how I met Carnage, and that like that's how I got yeah, his yeah. contact info and stuff like that. And I was uh, like, yeah, "Thank you, man." Shout out only Mikey. I was uh, I was conscious that day, well that night. Yeah, yeah. Nice. Kmo was drunk as fuck. <laughs> this guy. Well, shout out to you, Mikey. Actually, two talking about Mikey on uh, two fins. Um, one I asked him to come over to the show. And he mm-hmm. says like he's ready to go. So Mikey is another person that's coming to the show very soon. After a couple of people, I, I already got like a couple of people already listed that's coming in in the copy. Nice. Room. So Hell the yeah, second boy. thing about Mikey, um, the reason why it re- Oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, yo, the reason why I ask him come over to the show. Let's discuss a topic. It's because um. I'm going to ask you guys something and then uh-huh. you guys answer me honestly. There's no right or wrong answer in all this. Everybody has their own perspective and their own beliefs. All right. I have my beliefs. Okay. And this is yours. So I asked this the past couple of people that I've interviewed, which was Lucho, uh, Phil, and Bitsim. Um, oh, you interviewed Lucho? Perfect. Yeah. I, I, I gave it a, I think it was um before Christmas. Yeah. I interviewed him. It was actually good. It boosts nice. boost up my numbers, so. Nice, nice. Oh, yeah. Um, I asked this question to these guys. Okay. What do you think, what do you guys believe when a DJ slash promoter call themselves an artist and they haven't touched a DAW in their lives? Do you think they, they, are, they have the right to entitle themselves as an artist or they're just a DJ full of themselves? To be honest with you, like blank as heck, as heck, man. Like I don't care. Okay. I stop. I stop caring about what other people do because, like, at the end of the day, that's them. You get me? If they get caught red-handed, that's up to them. I yeah. I, I just gotta focus on myself. You get me? I wish I had more to add to that, but yeah, that's 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 what how I see it. I guess. Yeah. Okay. I'm kind of on the same boat. You know, like <laughs> I see so many artists around that they do stuff and they throw themselves in there, you know, they claim that they're artists, but I feel like a lot of times certain people or artists that tend to do that, 
they don't progress from there and then like they're kind of just happy like where they're at and that's all they end up just doing you know mm. and that's one thing i always tell my guys you know like if you want to do something you know push forward to like what you're doing don't be the guy that you know does everything for for uh, a promotion company just so you can play something and then like you know expect everything to come to you because no nah, that's not going to happen to you at all you got to go out there you got to send your music you got to do what you got to do you know and then from there let your own music talk for you mm. and like and show yourself that you're an artist you know instead of just being like the type of people where you promote an event you do something and then you don't even make music you just dj and then you know you consider yourself an artist i mean the thing is some people have came up like that because they have a team that, you know, they have very, I guess, the puzzles, the Investors. pieces to put it together, you know, or they have somebody that will make the music. And then, you know, this is going to be the face of the music, slapping the brand on, you know, and then go from there, basically, where, you know, I mean, I'm not going to say any name specifically, you know, no. but I mean, everybody yeah, has their own okay, way. Okay, okay. We throw it. Everybody, everybody has their own way to make it, you know. Yeah. But. Uh, I mean, I wouldn't say it's fair, but can't really complain about it either. I mean, I like I like your point of views from both of you. I like I like those that there's no like I said, there's no right or wrong answer. It's just a matter of perspective. It's just wrong ones. answers. I yeah, I just my perspective in all this is like, all right, I'll call you an artist when I hear that you actually make music. But don't come over here that you have no music background. You came out of nowhere. And decided to be like, I'm the DJ and you've only promoted for a <laughs> short period of time and you got the DJ skills, you know, just to yeah. play. And oh, yeah. I'm an artist. Like, it's like, okay, if you're an artist, like if an ARR comes to you and says, I like how you DJ, you got any songs and you got no songs, then is it fair to call you an artist? But yeah. exactly and, how, how it is. I mean, that's how it is. And then there's the other side in which in which Lucho and, and Mikey disagree on that part. They say, like, if you DJ is a form of art. It is. Yeah. DJing and making music, it's two different things. Mm -hmm. I two agree. Two huge different things. Because anybody can make a playlist and press play and obviously queue up the next song. Obviously, it takes a little bit of time to learn that, yes. But to actually DJ and read the crowd and all that stuff, that's a whole art form. Yeah. And not, not, throw, not even throwing in scratching or anything like that. You get me? Right. I mean, that's where the terms come from being a DJ and a producer instead of just a DJ, you know, where at least you're DJing, but you have your own songs to show it out, you know, then mm -hmm. whether you're just a DJ and you're just playing other people's songs. I agree. I 100% I agree with that. But Mikey got, probably got a little bit touched on that part because he <clears throat> left a comment on one of my episodes in YouTube. Right, and I feel I feel like when he like when he commented, oh, who said that? Who said that? Mikey. Uh -huh. Oh, Mikey. Oh, okay, okay, cool. Mikey, I felt like Mikey kind of like felt a little bit salty the way he actually understood it because hold on, I got I got the comment because I was just <laughs> oh, which one is it? I want to read it. Hold on, I, it, it's just it's funny because I was like, uh, that's you're like the last person I would expect you to comment that, but hey, come to the show, we could talk about it, you know. Uh, yeah. So it was on episode 37 on YouTube. So he commented on, um, sorry, Mikey. I mean, 
you're gonna see this, I know, but we're we'll, we're gonna discuss it when you come to the show, man. Damn, it, I can't find it. I love I love you, brother. On YouTube, uh, Long Wolf Podcast episode thirty seven, the business of a promoter featuring Vincent J part two. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. So it says, uh, is being able to draw a skill? DJing is an art. Only time I don't see a certain DJ as an artist is when they don't take it on as a career or only DJ their own parties. I so, mean, that makes sense as well. I mean, it makes sense, but still, like, if you want to be known as a DJ, then you're just going to DJ other people's song. If you want to be known as an artist and DJ producer, then make your own songs and play your own songs in your DJ set. Exactly. Yeah. There's no, there's no, it's just two different things, man. Honestly, I believe it's two different things. And I have too many DJ friends that are into it. And like I said in the podcast, like I feel like people who believe that DJ is an art, it's because they're probably passionate about it and that's their only source of income. They don't have anything mm -hmm. else. So they'll, yeah. they'll look at it on a different perspective. However, right. people like us that we're, we're producers, we're audio, audio engineers and whatnot. Like we have sure. a different perspective of the definition of an artist as an artist is somebody that actually creates music or does music or plays their own music, has their own form of art as an, I have my own form of art. It's out there. It's released yeah. on a, on the labels and whatnot. I believe that you, you, the moment you become an artist is when you start releasing music on your own, when people are playing your music and when you are releasing on labels, everybody in this chat is a for, Camo is an artist because we have we put stamps in a scene. If you not gonna say hey, names either because we artist. know people, we know I people. I do consider myself artists. All right, I have unreleased rap music. I okay. bet. Oh, produced, produced, produced by yours truly, Mr. Seltz. <laughs> but it's never gonna be released. <laughs> you know, <laughs> yeah. Those I can send you the link. I guess I'll definitely the send them, send them the link. <laughs> I'm an artist. All right. I'm an artist. I just don't state it. All right. Bet. I have, I have some art, but DJs that says that I'm an artist, I should be in the artist VIP section because I'm an artist that hasn't right. make any music. I don't feel like you're an artist. You're just a DJ. It's a skill yeah, that you, exactly. that you develop, that you achieve hard yeah. work and whatnot, but you're not an artist. You don't make music. You play other people's music. Yeah, pretty much. Pretty much, man. That's my perspective. You know, uh, we'll see, see. We'll see what what me and Mikey comes up uh, see, when I come. The way in. another thing that I see it mm. as an event producer is, you know, obviously everybody else that um, make events and stuff like that, what they look at is obviously the money. You yeah. know, and I'm not saying that it's not about the money, but it's always about can you do two things in one? You know, can you actually put actual artists that produce your music to play shows uh, that can also, you know, have a little pool of mm. themselves, not just because, you know, they produce music and they're artists, you know, that they're going to be on it. You know I mean, like they have to basically it's a form. If this is something they want to do, it's a form of like life and way that they have to like get used to. So, you know, whenever I do shows and stuff, I always want to put artists that I know are, one, make their own music Two, you know, well, not even make their own music, obviously just produce music in general. Uh, and two, they, they just enjoy doing this. And this is something that they want to chase after, you know? Right. And at the end of the day, you know, 
when you're doing events, it always comes up to obviously the artist is being booked, the team that's doing the marketing and everything. And if everything goes good, you know, ticket sales are going to be sold. You know, you're never going to do a show with an artist that, you know, is not going to mm -hmm. sell tickets and stuff. So whenever you can do the solid uh, support lineup and stuff and you know that uh, you can get a fire lineup of artists that are super talented and everything, not mm -hmm. only are you making money there as your promoter, but you're also helping uh, artists for exposures and stuff, you know? Yeah. And, you know, that's just the sad reality of the scene in Miami. You know, he's been seeing that for years here all around, yep, you know? I agree. And realistically, only names I can really mention that have blown up from Miami, obviously Ricky, Nitty Gritty, Bonnie and Clyde, you know, Blunt and Happy Colors. Uh, Happy Color, yeah. Big and Slim, yeah. our boys. Big and Slim, yeah. Big and Slim. You know, but I mean, other than that, like, but then you also look at other certain artists that been in the game for a minute, but that's when I go back to that whole aspect of they're happy where they are, you know, mm. they're just happy with what they're doing. And, you know, even though obviously they're homies and stuff, I have a lot of friends, you know, so I can always say, you know, this is a little, little, how can I say, I'm not foreshadowing to something that I'm working on where Obviously, if I can get homies that I know that are doing big stuff right now, you know, I'm definitely going to put those artists in the lineup rather than specific artists just to like sell tickets and give that chance or that slot to someone else that can definitely uh, do something better with it or deserve it or show their talent, you know? Yeah. That's how I see it as a producer, you know? That's yeah. how I see it as a talent producer and everything. Let me let me ask you, like, how did, how did, what prompted you to become a, a talent buyer, or event organizer, festival runner, and all the, all that? Because I I I, re, I, me, I remember that I met you for the first time at Oddigy's studio as, as yeah oh yeah, yeah. You remember <laughs> when I was yeah. with the multinational multinational so, man so yeah. I met you through that and. Yeah. And obviously you you sold you sold me. I don't know if you sold them, but you sold me about the whole concept of what you try to go, what you try to build. And and I was like, I was shit. like, I was I'm I'm on board, bro. Let's go. Let's do this. So what what actually prompted you to do all that stuff? And I know you have like a history. So I mean, like I said, it wasn't I didn't really get into like EDM in general until uh 2012, 2013, when the big room era was popping and everything and uh You would have knife party at Ultra and everything, and people would Oof. tweet, you know, what the hell is a knife party? You know, throwback to, huh. to knife party. Knife party. Um, Block me on Facebook. <laughs> But, uh, you know, when I went off to college up to Maryland, you know, I was playing baseball up in Maryland 2014, 2015. And pretty much there's this, this, uh, this kid that came from Puerto Rico. He was supposed to live with uh, other teammates that we had. But uh, my coach uh, forced me to pick him because I was the only one that basically spoke Spanish. <laughs> you know, so, you know, we're throwing we're throwing the race cards out there. Right. You know, we're living up in Maryland, you know, where uh, my white folks are out there. You know, shout out to all my white people, like Coach Foster, <laughs> you know, shout out to you. So, yeah, I ended up picking up this kid from Puerto Rico. His name ended up being Eric. And uh, I remember on the way back home, he shows me his Instagram that he has called Puerto Rico EDM. And he started showing me everything. He'd be posting stuff, uh, has to do EDM stuff in Puerto Rico, you know. And he had, at the moment, he had like, like 5,000 followers. And then throughout the days and stuff, you know, I would help him do posts and stuff like that. 
So when I thought about it, I was like, yo, like, why don't I make my own like EDM page, you know, and I'll call it multinational EDM. Then that's how multinational EDM came about. You know, I know there in Maryland, bro, you know, it's the area I lived in was um it's a very rich area of African Americans, you know. And basically everything that would be done over there is just basically smoke weed all around, you know. That's what's up. I don't really I don't really smoke weed like that. Like I use I honestly I would get headaches because I would smell fucking the marijuana all the time. Mm. So and I, I just get like I'm like, bruh, like this shit is irritating. So from making multinational EDM, besides going to school, practice and everything, I just started doing posts. You know, I just started um uh you know uh, putting pictures of DJs and everything, and then I started like growing that page. Then come the following year, uh, I sustained an injury in baseball and I was, I needed surgery. So I was like, you know, I think like my career in baseball is done because uh, I had turned 21. I'm like, I'm going to be 22. And then by the time I'm done with rehab and stuff like that, I'm going to be 23. Like, what are the chances of me doing anything else in baseball? So I ended up leaving uh, school and I went back home to Miami. And then Eric would invite me to Puerto Rico to go see a... Uh, well, kind of just to visit Puerto Rico. And the weekend that I ended up going to Puerto Rico, um, his cousin ended up uh, having a festival that weekend. And like I said, I, from from high school, I started learning more about artists. Then I noticed that in that festival, it was uh, Hook and Sling. You had uh, Julian Jordan. You had um, Must Die, Oof. Love Vision. And I believe, oh, and Barely Alive, you yeah, know. Barely Alive. And and I helped out in the festival and I was like, yeah. yo, you know, like this is this is pretty dope, you know. That was pre before they did the helmet and all that stuff, remember? Yeah, yeah. That was when there was no helmet or nothing. Mm-hmm. No um, helmet. What do you mean no helmet? Barely no alive. Helmet, barely alive. Oh, you're right. Willy. When it was just Willie, yeah. 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 And then from there, bro, you know, he was like, Yo, like, do you want to do a festival together? Like we can come up with one where we can try and like bring people. And then I was like, Yeah, I'm super down. I mean, I can definitely learn more, you know. And then that's when we came up with the uh, Dreamland uh, idea. Uh, came up with the Dreamland idea. And I started to learn about the bookings. I started doing the hospitalities and everything. And we had a very successful first year despite everything going on, you know, that happened that weekend of the first festival where um, yeah. there was a nuclear black. power plant explosion and there was a blackout. You know, oh, that's what it was. I, I thought it was like the hurricane thing. No, the no, hurricane no, no, no. was the following year. Yeah. Oh, okay. Okay. You know, and then obviously I made connections because I was the one dealing with everything. I was doing the advancing and everything. And I was like, yo, like this is fucking dope. Like getting paid to basically do events, you know, and party and stuff. And that's how I kind of got into that. Uh, so from there on out, you know, just basically I started dealing with uh, with all the artists doing the advancing. Um, and it was fun, dude. And I love taking care of the artists, picking them up at the airport taking them to a hotel, obviously take them out to eat and everything. And that's how I got into that. And eventually we do uh, two more festivals, Holy Color in 2017. And then we'll do Dreamland again, 2017, but the hurricane happened and, you know, we had to postpone it, but we managed to do the festival. And then day of the festival, tragedy struck again, where there was a massive like rainstorm and oh, it yeah. caused the, uh, we were doing basically like a block party type where we we're doing it on the streets. And what happened was it rained so much that the streets went up about three to four feet of rain. Holy crap. And it basically Damn. fried all the cables of the LED screens and all the base. Uh, the oh, I remember that. Yeah, yeah. He sent me a picture of that. And we had to move the main stage that was on the block party to the second stage, which was, uh, which was inside like the parking area. And the people went there 
to move to the inside of the building, which is like the third stage. And then sadly, the people in the third stage would either have to try and do like a back to back or they won't be able to play, you know. And it's kind of like the same thing that happened in the first year in 2016, where because of the power plant explosion, we we're able to get massive generators to generate everything that we needed for the main stage. At the last but, minute, too, right? Yeah, at the last minute. But we just but we just couldn't get enough power to generate the big hallway, which is supposed to be the the second um the second room, yeah. The second yeah. stage. But in a way it ended up working out good because uh, you know, oh yeah. I had all the homies. Uh, do a back to back to back. You know, it was Wolfson, it was Vic, it was DNA. You know, and then uh, we also had um, some of the Puerto Rico homies hop in there as well. You know, it ended up being a banger. You know, that shit was awesome. Let the record show that it was a sold out on Saturday. We play over yeah. seven thousand people, and it was the craziest four way back to back. Yeah. It was insane. 7,000 like, people. 7,000 people front to the end pack. Both days. You know, both days. Both so that, days. You know. Wilson uh, crowd surf. That was crazy. That was dope. <laughs> that was dope. I remember Wilson dope. took his shirt off and he just jumped off. I was like, what's this guy doing? I was like, security. <laughs> you know. I remember Andres was there. Hey, hey. You got to get the people going, man. This is how you get This is how you get people. I remember. Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll give it to Wilson, man. Um, there, he, he was the biggest hype man for that. Because... <laughs> <laughs> at that moment, I mean, seven. I never played for seven thousand people, man. So when I when I was doing that, I was, I was like, "What the fuck do I do?" I was so starstruck, bro. <laughs> you know what's funny is that I blacked out. Like yeah. I didn't know. I, mean, like, I didn't know what as... was happening. And then <laughs> Dude, when, we were when drunk I... as hell, man. No, we were definitely drunk as hell, bro. Because... I knew that. I knew that everybody was drunk when I had my two friends, uh, Brian and Jacinto. They came, and bro, like I've been to festivals with them prior to that day and like you know they'll go through everything drinking and everything like they're fucked up and i'm talking about these are the biggest base head people that i know and bro these people literally fell asleep on excision set when that's their favorite dj and i'm like damn i know people i'm like bro everybody's so drunk because these guys are passed out in the back and their favorite dj is playing and they're backstage on their favorite dj and i go backstage and like brian is like passed out drunk you know, and Jace passed out drunk, and then uh, my dad is pretty lit. You know, my dad got <laughs> lost around the festival. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Got lost. They got you lost. Bro, he had a huge ass bottle, bro. Yeah, bro. And that walking around with a massive bottle. And you shit. off the, the the gasolina pouches. The yeah. pouches are oh, fucking. That's strong. what fucked me up. It's because we were having unlimited amounts of it. Yeah, we were having a limit of that. And bro, then think your about dad's this bottle, bro. I was yeah. just like, bro. I was bro and those gasolina pouches, bro. They're basically like a pre-sun. You just rip them open, the straws inside, yeah. and like you just you drink them like water, and you drink three or four, and then hits you like a fuck bro three or four uh, you drink two of those and you're like okay i feel something no nah, i don't know how how many we had i know we have i know we lot. we had to have refills because it was shit a lot amount that that yeah. was the start where vic started becoming a little alcoholic ah i miss him oh man that was anything bro i remember that it got to the point that we it was a Saturday one and we were like ah we're not gonna play that's fine the guys uh, we were with DNA and we were like hey yeah. guys let's just enjoy enjoy the festival let's just enjoy mm -hmm. and start drinking and Kevin out of nowhere say hey you guys got a USB you guys gonna play all four of you guys together for forty minutes set I was we were like <laughs> yeah ah. Uh? I remember oh, okay. no, I was the one that told you that bro no yeah, oh, yeah I was, you passed I was the in, message 
Yeah, yeah. I was in front of the stage. Who was playing? I think uh he fell down in front of the stage. Oh, I fell down. <laughs> <laughs> um, who was playing? Uh I think it was like Firebeat. So it was it was on um, Megalodon. No, 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 no. no. He's the one that was someone was playing. Yeah, someone was playing, whatever. Then I get a random phone call. I'm in front of these speakers, like exploding my ears, and I pick up the phone and I'm like, hello? And it's super static. I don't know where I hear like, hello, is this Kevin? I was like, yeah, who's this? He's like, yo, bro, this is Corey Megalodon. I'm like, why what number are you calling me from? Like, I have your number. He's like, he's like, bro, my phone fell when I was in the airport in LAX and my phone broke. So I literally flew with no phone. I had to ask a stranger. I had to ask the stranger to let me borrow their phone so I can call you. And I'm like, I'm just blown. I'm like, first of all, how do you like, where'd you get my number from your phone? Broke? Yeah, I was just thinking. Yeah, about it was that. super baffled. I was super baffled. And then I was like, oh, I got to go pick up this guy at the airport. It's going to take me at least 30 minutes. So then I was like, yo, Vic, I need you, Mighty, Gina, Mighty, Wilson. I need you guys to do a back to back to back for about 40 minutes while I go pick up Corey at the airport. And when I came back, yo, like that shit was popping off. You know, Corey showed up and he played for like half an hour or so. Um, and then following Corey, uh, was, I think, I think it was, Zomboy played. No, Zomboy was the closing. And I think after Corey, it was, um, it, it was, was it Jay Harway? Jay Harway. There yeah. you go. And then after, oh Jay, yeah, that's it was Kuhn. Yeah. Oh yeah, I forgot. I forgot. Kuhn. Kuhn was there Kuhn too. Went. Yo, yeah. I I remember that me, that you and me were had to pick up Zomboy, and then yeah. Kuhn came along with us so we could drop into the, <laughs> at, the dude, at the at the hotel. Oh, you know what happened, dude? When Zomboy popped up, when what? he literally came in through the hallway, because first of all, I I had dyed my hair again blonde that yeah. time. Yeah, and I had the same haircut as Getter, bro. Literally everybody in the front row while I was just there jamming out. Everybody was doing the sud, dude. I was like, what the fuck? I'm not Getter. <laughs> Stop doing that. They're literally asking for autographs and everything. I was like, no. And then Zomboy came up and he's like, hey, what's up, Getter? How you been? <laughs> I was like, for real? No way! I never knew that. I never knew that. Yeah, like he was, he was, he was happy as hell. Like if he saw somebody he knew, I was like, uh, I'm not him. (laughs) What do you say? I mean, I didn't say that, but I just, I was like, oh, like yo, what's good? What's good? He's like, yo, when we finish the club. <laughs> oh, but yo, imagine we just yo. got to the studio right after that. <laughs> yo, he should have been like, yo, when you fly out, bro, let's do the studio after this. Yeah, that would have been dope. That would, that yeah, but that, that, that was fun. Dope. I mean, I was drunk as fuck, but that, that was funny. That, <laughs> that was funny. dope. Um, as I was saying on the story, we so me and Kuhn, Kuhn's wife uh, or girlfriend, I don't know. And then Kevin, we went out to the garage and then Kevin's like, all right, wait for me right here. I'm going to pick up the car. It's like, all right. So me and Kuhn and his girl, we were just talking. And all of a sudden, this group of people came out of nowhere. It's like, yo, it's him. And Kuhn assumed, and I, we all assumed that it was for Kuhn because he just played. And, you know, you know, we're like, oh, yeah, there's your, there's your fans. And all of a sudden, it's like, you're that guy who made that crazy back to back. Yeah, I remember. Yo, that. Can I take For a real? picture? Yeah, in the outside. <laughs> I remember that. I was like, yeah. uh, yeah, sure. And the guy was like, yo, yo, take a picture of your ass. Too cool. And I was like, <laughs> too cool. I was like, <laughs> <laughs> what? That's fucking yo, hilarious. Dude. I remember that. I remember that. I remember Gene signed a casket. Yeah, yeah. He signed a cast, yeah. <laughs> I was like, holy shit. Whoa, whoa, chill. A cast, <laughs> not a casket, bro. Oh, yeah, cast. <laughs> Oh, 
<laughs> Hold yeah. on, let me call him up real quick. Yo, Gene, what casket you signed, bro? <laughs> <laughs> Damn, that boy, that boy is ten, down, ten toes down, bro. <laughs> bro, hell nah, dog. <laughs> oh, that was that? okay. Cast, my bad. The cast, bro. My that bad. weekend at Dreamlight was just insane. <laughs> Fuck, man. I still don't know how. Wow, I don't know. How, I don't know how. I felt like I was ready to pass out on on that back to back stage because yeah. I felt yeah, the stage was super massive and everything. But it's because I think it was because I was I just you. jumping, uh, jumping on time. Everybody was doing back to back. I was going back around the stage, hyping everybody. Go back again. Let me do it back to back. Okay, let's do that again. At one point, I felt like my legs at any given moment, I felt like my legs are going to give up. and I'm just going to fail, fall down here. Bro, hard. bro, my legs were dead, bro. Like I was moving around everywhere. Yeah, I remember after that, bro, like I couldn't. I struggled to walk for like maybe a week, bro. With the shoes I had and everything, I was Yo. like, bro, that shit killed me, bro. Bro, another uh, funny story when um when we went to Tallahassee for the nitty. Oh uh, yeah. Oh, well, we did the road trip there, to Tallahassee. There was this there was this girl that um in while in the show, it was before I got up to stage with Nitty. Um, we were, remember we were towards the end, towards the back, where we could see the whole the whole like crowd and the DJ. And there was this girl that she was being rude. Like she wanted to be like in a certain spot where I was. And she was like, oh, can you move? Blah, blah, blah. I guess, you know, she like wanted a headbang and all that crazy stuff. And then whatever, she had an attitude. And I was like, all right, whatever. Here, have fun. And then as soon as I, I went up, dude, she, she was like going crazy. She, she made herself all the way from the back of the crowd to the front. To be like, hey, hey, can I go up on stage? <laughs> like, what the fuck? I just, I just, I just looked back on the CDJ and I just like kept playing music. I was like, okay, no. I think I remember like seeing that shit. It was that blonde, super skinny girl. I mean, yeah, it was a long ass time ago. I think, I think I know who you're talking about. That's that. Uh, that trip was pretty dope. Man, we had, I don't know. Uh, you're, you're you're a trooper for doing that long ass trip, bro. Yeah, I, I drove there and back, bro. Kevin I mean, I love that whole thing. Bro. I love road trips. But, yeah. Uh, yeah, I love uh, uh, road trips as well, man. Especially those long ones. And when you're with your homies and we're just having a blast on the way home. And on the nah, way to yeah. the I'm going to give a quick shout out to my boy Marcos for that trip he did last week to Alaska, bro. That shit was crazy. Shout out to yeah, Marco. shout out to Marco. Alaska? Shout yeah, bro. He, he did like some fishing trip out there, bro. Like he packed his bags and just went to Alaska. And then uh, he actually came back uh, two days ago. So he, he survived, surprisingly. So, you know, shout out Marco for that. Yeah. That's shout what's up. To, shout out to him, man. Yeah. Shout, shout out, out Marco. Alaska, yeah. bro. Dude, dude, he told me he told me he almost got chased down by a pup. A <laughs> pup <of> penguins, <laughs> what? By a group of penguins, bro. The penguins, bro. <laughs> yo. Yo, he, he was like, bro, he's like, Loki, I'm gonna become an Eskimo dog. I'm like, yo, do it, cuz. Like, yeah. yo, Eskimo is a way of life, bro. Yo, crazy idea, crazy idea. Would you I mean, be I'm able crazy. to do a a EDM festival up there in Alaska? Damn, in Alaska? That would be crazy. I mean, if the people are aware of uh, the artists and stuff, hell yeah, it's possible. You know? <laughs> Who's um, going to show up? Like five people? <laughs> <laughs> we'll do it in the How much of penguins and fans and walkers? <laughs> I got the VIP section ready for the penguins to pull up. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Mar- Marco going to be the special guest over there, oh. boy. Really? Boy, I mean, just think about it. Like the target audience that you got over there are Canadians, 
Alaskans and Russians. Yeah. So imagine imagine some of the Russians that that can never travel to any of the festivals. And it's like, oh my God, there's literally one right here in Alaska. We can go there. Some of the Yo, Canadians as well. You yeah, know? I would do like uh what's that movie that they did in Alaska? 30 days and no, uh yeah, 30 days and 30 nights about the Oh zombie. yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'll do a that theme like that. Awesome. Hell yeah, bro. Like but, Yo, but imagine- real vampires. That'd be cool. That's what I'm saying, bro. Like Dracula type shit, bro. And like people yeah. just get killed. But I'm not liable for that, you know, because it's, uh, it's, <laughs> it's a natural heritage over there in Alaska. So. <laughs> We're going to cut this off. 